el punto o la estrategia más importante es generar puentes entre esas fronteras, es decir, generar puntos de conexión. Today's program features Ramon Verdugo and Jessica Bauman of the Frontera Project. The Zoom experience has allowed us to use what the audience's experience is to make art in that moment. You're listening to Trustees Without Borders, a podcast production of the Virginia Tech Institute for Policy and Governance. I'm your host, Andy Morikawa, coming to you from Virginia Tech in Blacksburg, Virginia. Joining me for the conversation with our guests Ramon Verdugo and Jessica Bauman are the interviewers for today's show, Molly Todd and John Catherwoodkin. Molly and John, would you please introduce yourselves to our listeners? Hi, my name is Molly Todd, and I'm a third-year PhD student in the Interdisciplinary Aspect Program at Virginia Tech. I'm very excited to be here today and to have this conversation with you all. Hi, Andy. Thanks so much for having us. Uh, my name is John Catherwood Ginn, and I serve as the Associate Director of Programming at the Moss Arts Center at Virginia Tech. And I'm also a doctoral student in the Planning, Governance, and Globalization program in the School of Public and International Affairs. Thanks so much for inviting me to join you for this conversation. Thank you. Today's program features Ramon Verdugo and Jessica Bauman of the Frontera Project. Ramon Verdugo is from Tijuana, Mexico. He's founding artistic director of Tijuana Ace Teatro Theater Company. Actor, director, and producer, he's collaborated in more than 35 productions of new national and international theater pieces. He's professor at Universidad Autónoma de Baja California for the theater program. He's been honored by the National Fund for the Culture and the Arts, the most prestigious public institution for the arts in Mexico. In theater, he's focused on directing, teaching, and production. He's currently developing academic studies at the International Diploma of Creation and Research from the Universidad Nacional Autónoma de México, the most respected university in the country, and the Universidad de Buenos Aires in Argentina. In addition to his artistic work, he's been actively engaged with the community since 2010, where he's developed programs including Binational School of Audiences, THT, a cross-borders audience engagement experience, Interpropas THT High School Theater Festival, Biblioteca THT, Performing Arts Library, Acting Workshop Lab THT, and Intimate Theater Festival, among other projects in alliance with several theaters. Jessica Bauman is a director, teacher, and community-engaged theater maker based in Brooklyn, New York. She adapted and directed Arden Everywhere, a retelling of Shakespeare's As You Like It, as a refugee story which was produced off-Broadway with a cast of both professionals and non-professionals from the refugee and immigrant communities in New York City. As she developed that project, she worked with refugee communities in the U.S. and in Kenya. She's talked about her work on Arden Everywhere at Shakespeare's Globe Theatre in London and in a TEDx talk. She's been a guest artist at many universities, including UCLA, UC Irvine, UMass Amherst, Rice, and Juilliard. The Frontera Project brings Mexican and U.S. artists together to lift up human stories about the border that too often get lost in the noise of partisan agendas and media bubbles. Specifically focused on San Diego, Tijuana, Frontera explores the varied experiences of people on both sides of the border for audiences who may never have been there themselves. This bilingual, interactive, theatrical experience, performed by a cast of both U.S. and Mexican actors, uses theater, music, and play to actively engage the audience in a compassionate, often joyous conversation about La Frontera. Welcome, Jessica Bauman and Ramon Verdugo to Trustees Without Borders. It's an honor to have you as our guests. Let me now turn you over to our interviewers, John Catherwood Ginn and Molly Todd. Molly? Great. Thanks so much, Andy. So before I begin this set of questions, I do want to mention for our listeners that this interview is going to take place in English with responses in English and Spanish. There will be some translation, but not always. So we return to this question of translation a bit later in the interview to give Jessica and Ramon a chance to speak on those dynamics, but I did want to at least mention it now. 
So to begin, I've really enjoyed working with you all and watching the different iterations of this project unfold, including your most recent presentation here at Virginia Tech. And there have been quite a few iterations because when you first envisioned this venture together, the plan was to do an in-person play. However, by the time I connected with you in the fall of 2020, you had already shifted to envisioning the Frontera project as an online endeavor, but not necessarily something as a long-term um, online endeavor. However, as COVID continued and continues to rage on, you have embraced Zoom performance and really thought about how to make online performance engaging. Um, and during the event here at Tech, Ramon, you mentioned that he felt called to respond to this contemporary moment and that all artists should do so. And this has reflected me to ask, ask how does the current moment inform your approach to adapting Frontera project to a virtual platform? And what have been some of the challenges or perhaps surprisingly, some of the benefits that you have encountered in doing so? Eh, hola, ¿qué tal? Soy Ramón Verdugo y bueno, es un placer para mí estar como invitado en esta, eh, en esta conversación que me parece que de entrada ya es, es, es interesante desde, justo desde esta frontera que estamos cruzando entre el español y el inglés. Para mí es un gusto compartir este, este, esta conversación y creo que evidentemente la tarea fundamental de, de los creadores y las creadoras, de los artistas, hay, es expresar las voces que uno quiere, que lo que uno quiere decir, ¿no? la manera en la que uno quiere contarle algo al mundo. Pero creo que hay otra tarea que es fundamental, que tiene que ver con la observación del mundo, es decir, con la observación de lo que sucede alrededor de eso. Entonces, eh, la Frontera Project inició eh, en diciembre del 2019, inicio de 2020, y el mundo era otro. Eh, nuestro mundo cambió. Un año, el 2021, abril 2021, nuestro mundo es diferente y en ese sentido creo que todas las conversaciones que hemos tenido en este año nos ha llevado a estar reconstruyendo un proceso. Estamos viviendo un proceso de reconstrucción constante. Entonces, cada mes, cada semana de conversaciones, en realidad ha hecho que el proyecto vaya encontrando nuevas formas. Y claro, al principio pensábamos que en el otoño del 2020 estaríamos presentando una obra, ¿no? Tal vez en eh, telón, se abre, el público viene a la sala, pero no, nos enfrentamos con un 2020 que cambió el mundo y entonces necesitábamos abrazar esa nueva circunstancia para poder encontrarnos con el público, pero de otra manera. Y creo que una de las formas fue encontrarnos a través del Zoom, que, claro, generó muchos retos. El primero fue nuestra resistencia, tal vez, a estar en las pantallas. No queríamos las pantallas. El teatro es un hecho vivo, es un hecho para compartir en el mismo escenario, en el mismo espacio, ¿no? para convivir. Sin embargo, eh, el reto se transformó en una gran oportunidad. Creo que es como un, un reto que se convierte en una oportunidad y esto ha permitido que tengamos o que hayamos tenido ya algunas eh, conversaciones, ya varias presentaciones como la que tuvimos con Virginia Tech en días pasados, donde podemos conectarnos desde diferentes partes, no solo de Estados Unidos y de México, incluso del mundo, para hablar sobre la frontera. Entonces creo que se trata de reconocer qué quiero hacer, por qué lo quiero hacer, pero también de ser muy observador de las circunstancias que vivimos. Creo que esa es nuestra tarea. Si no, me parece que sería un acto egoísta. Creo que no podemos ser egoístas ante el mundo. Es decir, el mundo vive cosas que es importante reconocer para poder trabajar con eso. Entonces, Creo que eso es algo muy importante y que, que logramos construir a partir de un reto, llevarlo a una oportunidad. Hi, uh, this is Jessica, and I'm going to repeat a little bit of what Ramon said in English and then add my own perspective as well. Um, that when we started the project in December of 2019, um, we did a workshop where we were devising material for a playwright to use to create a play that was going to be performed in person. And um, we felt 
at the time and continue to feel like it was incredibly important to respond to the world as it was in that moment. And now we go back and we look at that and we're in a completely different world. And that the world that we have been working in over the last year and a bit uh, through the pandemic has been changing all the time. And we have been talking a lot about how we want to be making work that responds to the world that we're living in. And um, so that the most obvious way that that manifests is that it has driven us onto Zoom in spite of the fact that that is not necessarily where as theater makers, it's not where our hearts lie, but you know, it is what it is. <laughs> it's the only choice we have right now. Um, and I think that we have discovered that there are opportunities, I was gonna say advantages, but I think that's not quite right, but there are opportunities to be had by working online and working on Zoom that are just different than what we get working live. And one of those opportunities is that we can connect with people all over the world. It doesn't have to just be the community of people where we physically are. Um, and um, because of the tools of Zoom, which are different than the what we take for granted as being the tools of theater, um, we have found ways to connect with audiences through breakout rooms, through we've been using Google Jamboards to solicit ideas from our audience. And we've actually used the comments that our audience puts on the Jamboard to create new art that happens in the moment of the, the Zoom experience that I think has been extremely exciting for everybody. Um, so there are opportunities and tools that the virtual world offers that we are now, as we're starting to turn our attention to doing live performance again, which it looks like we're gonna be able to do in the fall, we're asking ourselves how we can sort of carry with us the things that we have experienced and we have learned in our Zoom world back into a live theatrical experience that is more interactive and more um, participatory for the audience that is more, more of a conversation less we tell you something, you sit in a dark room and you passively absorb it. Um, and I think we are all as a creative team incredibly excited about the ways that um, our Zoom, what we've learned from Zoom can inform the work that we're gonna be doing going forward when we get back into theaters with live audiences. I, that's, I like what you said, Ramon, um, abrazar la nueva circunstancia, like, you know, give give that new circumstance a hug and just go for it, you know, just embrace it. And I think it's it's been a challenge. So I appreciate that. And um, Jessica, when, when you mention the challenge with participation, but also sort of the opening that, that Zoom has given to have participation from all over the world, it, it kind of leads us into the next question, which is, beyond the role of theater in responding to the social, political, and cultural ideas of the time, do you also see the possibility of art or of Frontera Project in shaping the contemporary moment or shaping the way people relate to or are thinking about borders during this time? I think that um, I used to believe that what I did as an artist and that the work that I made was um, separate, if not secondary to um, kind of more direct political organizing in thinking about kind of social justice concerns. Um, and I have come to believe in part actually from uh, being lucky enough to be a student in a Virginia Tech class this fall that was taught by Bob Leonard and Max Stevenson, um, that artists have a really vital role to play in creating a different kind of conversation and a different um, framework for um, understanding 
human truths and then the the kind of framing that we often get from politicians and from the media and I think that what we can do is invite our audiences and Ramon said this um the other day after we did a Zoom experience that there is a way that this is like one person at a time. Like what we do in a really fundamental way is not about scale, but what we are able to do in these like very intimate conversations with people is suggest a different framework for seeing the world, a different way of understanding human experiences outside of our own. Um, the language that I like to use often is about connecting across difference. That we're in a world right now where we're told over and over and over again that the differences are too big, that we aren't, we can't possibly understand each other, we can't possibly connect across difference. And I just don't believe that's true. It's not true in my own personal experience. And I feel really passionate in my work about finding ways to help people connect across difference. And it's the most satisfying collaborations that I've had, and I would absolutely count my collaboration with Ramon as at the top of the list, have, been, have involved enormous challenges of connecting across difference. Um, and as is clear just from the structure of this conversation, like, we speak to each other in different languages. And um, yet we understand each other at the level of the work we're trying to make and what our goals are. And um, so I think that what, um, what we can do, again, is not about scale, but is about inviting our audiences to think in a pretty fundamentally different way about what's possible at a human level. Well, first of all, Jessica, Ramon, I just want to say thank you, gracias so much for making the time to have this conversation. I consider it a huge privilege to get a chance to speak with you about this exciting work you've been doing. Um, and I thoroughly enjoyed the Frontera Project Zoom edition um, as it was presented recently through the program. So I actually wanted to start with, this connects very much with what you were just describing, Jessica, with what you described as the subject and the mission of the project. So. Um, if I'm recalling correctly, you described the mission of the Frontera project as the subject is the border, but the mission is creating experiences of connecting across difference. With that in mind, what have been some of the strategies you've employed that have been most effective in realizing that aspiration? You described, for instance, person to person, sort of small scale um, engagement. But also, um, as you reflect on your experience to date, what do you see as some of the enduring impediments to realizing that connection across difference? Pienso que la, la, las fronteras de alguna manera son importantes porque nos recuerdan que hay identidades, ¿no? Es decir, tú, allá, el otro, yo, es decir, somos diferentes porque es, eso es importante, ¿no? Hay una riqueza, una diversidad cultural que es importante conservar y las fronteras son importantes en ese sentido porque existe la conciencia de que hay otras personas que son diferentes que, que yo y eso es importante creo que el, el punto o la estrategia más importante es generar puentes entre esas fronteras es decir generar puntos de conexión porque cuando yo reconozco en el otro cosas que son diferentes yo puedo aprender de la otra persona y estoy seguro que la otra persona puede aprender de lo que yo tengo pero eso tiene que ver con un cambio de visión es decir, tú puedes ver la frontera como un impedimento o como un puente, algo que puede cruzar y que puede conectarnos a través de las diferencias. En ese sentido, creo que la estrategia más importante para poder lograr esto es la generación de plataformas que funcionen como un puente, como una manera de conversación. Esta que decía Jessica de encontrarnos casi uno a uno con las personas, vamos, generamos un puente individual, generamos un puente personal. Y creo que en un momento como en el que vivimos, donde las personas están, buscamos experiencias individuales, personales, Creo que es muy enriquecedor encontrarnos con estas conversaciones cara a cara, rostro a rostro. Es decir, 
tu voz tiene un rostro, mi voz tiene un rostro. Y eso es muy importante porque no nos perdemos en el rostro de lo que los medios dicen o los políticos dicen o lo que la mayoría dice. ¿no? Es, tu, tu voz es importante, mi voz es importante. Y creo que ahí encontramos un puente de comunicación que ha sido o es enriquecedor para construir la manera de, eh, de estar juntos o conectar a través de las diferencias. Por supuesto, ¿cuáles son los retos o qué cosas nos los van a impedir? Bueno, todavía existe una gran cantidad de prejuicios, una gran cantidad de estereotipos, de ideas preconcebidas sobre lo que es la frontera, sobre lo que es ser mexicano, sobre lo que es ser un, una persona de Estados Unidos, una persona de México, una persona de Centroamérica. Es decir, existe una gran cantidad de información que aún está en la mente de muchas personas y que muchas veces eso resulta un gran problema, porque no existe la voluntad de crear puentes. Entonces, me parece que eso sería el impedimento más fuerte, acabar con esta información que ha sido resultado de muchos años, muchos, muchos años de diferentes factores, también de un lenguaje que muchas veces es un lenguaje que lo ha establecido... Eh, pues los lugares de la hegemonía, los lugares que han sido los vencedores. Entonces también, también hay una transformación del lenguaje, de la manera, no solamente de la forma de ver las cosas, sino de cómo construimos una realidad a partir de lo que yo expreso con mis palabras, ¿no? Y de respetar también la diferencia del otro. Creo que eso es muy importante. Y me parece que ahí es donde encontramos un reto, pero también la oportunidad de transformar poco a poco, aunque sea a escala menor, la conversación acerca de, no solo de qué es la frontera, sino de qué significa eh, establecer una relación como seres humanos. Um, I just want to add a little bit to what Ramon said, and maybe translate a tiny bit, um, that um, it's possible to think of the border as, um, as a line, as something that separates us, or as an opportunity to find bridges. And that's very much the, the ethos of this project is about building bridges and finding ways to connect. Um, and I think um, I agree with Ramon that the, um, one of the biggest impediments to that, in this country at least, is um, that we have a set of perceptions that are, um, reinforced all the time by, by the media, by politicians, by people who have um, like other kinds of agendas that they're maybe not even so clear or so upfront about um, that make, that sort of flatten a very complicated narrative into a story about either um, people to be feared on the other side of the line or people to be pitied, people who are suffering and miserable and that's all there is to know about them. And the Frontera project really started when I had a travel grant to go to Tijuana to get to know the work of Tijuana Se Teatro and to get to know Ramon and his partner Jesus and um, their theater. And what I discovered when I got there was that all of the things that I thought I understood about the border were basically wrong, that they were so limited in what they allowed me to understand about an incredibly complicated space where there are people who are living and building lives on both sides of the border with really deep connections to the other side. And one of the things that I've learned as the project has evolved is I started out thinking, oh, we're going to do half people from Tijuana and half people from San Diego. Every way, it, like every time we sort of create pieces of the team, it's going to be half and half. And I think back on that now, and part of my own naivete as someone who's not a fronteriza is that I thought it was going to be easy to know who belonged on what side of the border. And the reality is that we have collaborators who are dual citizens, who were born in Mexico, but live in San Diego, or who were born in San Diego, but live in Tijuana. And like, it's not so obvious what side of the border someone belongs on, because the whole idea of the border as being this kind of 
bright line of delineation is just not accurate. It's not, um, it's not a useful description of the reality. And I think that we can't, I mean, back to sort of the question of like, what's the bigger impact of this? We can't make good policy if we're not operating with an accurate sense of what the reality is. And I think what we can do, albeit in a sort of one person at a time kind of way, is that we can start to shift the conversation to include a much more nuanced, textured sense of what the reality is. And I am very much aware as a person who um, does not live there, that part of my role in this project is to be an ambassador for the stories of the, of, for the complexity of the border to people like me who don't necessarily understand it and don't even know the limits of the accuracy of what they know, who don't even know what they don't know. And that I, because that was very much where I was until extremely recently, I can help people like me to understand and to invite them into this whole world of other stories that they might not otherwise have access to. Thank you both. Um, you know, I think in some ways, what you just mentioned there almost gets into our next question really about, you know, thinking who the audience for this project is and kind of this question of what art does. So thinking about your mission of um, working to connect across difference, but it sounds like also not only connect across difference, but also understand that those hard lines of difference, whether it be nationality or identity, aren't necessarily ones that can be drawn, drawn so clearly, right? Because you have kind of people on both sides or San Diego and Tijuana or that have kind of multiple forms of difference. So, um, you know, it can be tricky to, to determine what art does, um, especially as it's as your project is traveling across these different populations. And could you tell us more about this intention um, for bringing Frontera Project to audiences who do not live near Tijuana? Um, and why do you think it, it is important to bring stories of everyday life at the US-Mexico border to those audience, audiences? And, you know, if you've, you've, you have spoken on this a bit already, so perhaps you could also just follow up with some questions regarding representations and ethics that, that you've encountered in, in bringing these stories to different audiences? Um, I think that there has been a really intense sense of demonization and fear-mongering around the border and around perceptions of Mexicans in this country. Um, that has been true for a long time, but has gotten considerably worse in the last handful of years. Um, I think we're making like a fairly concerted effort to not be political in a partisan way in the work that we're doing. But I think it's undeniable that the effect of partisan politics on our the conversation around the border and people's perceptions of the border um, has been enormous in the last four years. And um, it feels incredibly important for us as a creative team to take the stories that humanize the border, that complicate the narrative to people who don't have access to them otherwise. I mean, that, like, I certainly don't have anything at all to say to people who live on the border about the border. Like, they have things to teach me. Um, and throughout the whole process, I am extremely aware of the limits of what I understand and how much I have to stand back and let the people whose firsthand experiences inform the stories 
teach me about what their experiences are. And in a moment, I'll stop talking and let Ramon answer. Um, but uh, I think that I am extremely aware as someone who does not live close to the border of how hard it is to access these kinds of stories. You really have to work at it. And um, I think that is part of what we have to offer and what we can bring to a national conversation. We can bring these stories to be part of a vital national conversation that will, I think, ultimately maybe help people make better policy, but like we're, we're theater makers, we're artists, we're not policy makers. Like what our goals are at a much more human level to open people's hearts and open people's curiosity and their minds to the ways that they can understand and connect with people who they've been told are fundamentally different from them. They might find that those things, that everything they've been told about the ways they're not supposed to be able to understand other people aren't true. Creo que también es, es importante pensar que si estamos hablando de un tema tan complejo como puede ser la frontera, el primer punto que, bueno, Jessica también lo menciona, hay que preguntarnos de manera individual primero, ¿no? ¿Por qué? ¿Qué me interesa al estar generando o dándole voz a esto? Es decir, ¿Desde dónde abordo esto? Particularmente, por ejemplo, yo pienso, ¿no? Como mexicano, como fronterizo, como artista, pero como desde todos esos ángulos necesito encontrar una voz que me permita decir, ok, esta es la razón por la cual me interesa que se construya una conversación desde un lugar donde yo he vivido toda mi vida. Es decir, es, Tijuana para mí o la frontera es, es mi experiencia de vida en, en, toda, en toda, toda mi vida. Entonces, es encontrar una razón para saber que estoy abordando una voz de un tema que es muy complejo. O sea, la frontera es un rostro con, con muchas cabezas, ¿no? Es un rostro lleno de rompecabezas también, ¿no? Es decir, al mismo tiempo. Entonces, ¿cuáles, ¿cuáles son los ángulos que me interesan que se incluyan en esta voz que estamos construyendo? Por ejemplo, porque, por supuesto, hay temas como la migración, que ha sido el, el gran rostro de la frontera, ¿no? En México existe muchísimas obras de teatro que hablan de la migración y de lo que es el encuentro entre lo que sucede con los migrantes y Estados Unidos. Y eso es parte de nuestro entorno, por supuesto, ¿no? Pero también es eso es parte de otros rostros que son estas historias que dice Jessica que están ahí y que complejizan la frontera. Es decir, no son más o menos importantes, no, son parte de la complejidad. Y también creo que en esas historias cotidianas es donde también nos encontramos las personas. Es decir, cuando nosotros vemos una obra de otro país lejano al nuestro, totalmente, en otro continente, en otra parte, y que es una historia sencilla, cotidiana, ¿no? Y que nos vemos conectados, nos conecta, no porque es otro país, nos conecta porque es una historia humana. Y creo que en ese sentido la Frontera Project busca encontrar este tipo de conversación. Tal vez he pensado que incluso la frontera es un gran pretexto para hablar de nuestra humanidad o de nuestras relaciones humanas. Es decir, tal vez la frontera solo es un, un contexto, un pretexto, pero lo que nos interesa es generar puentes de empatía, saber quién es el otro. No me importa si eres una persona de Estados Unidos, de México, de Centroamérica, de Europa, de Asia. Solo quiero conocer a otras personas, establecer diálogo. Y me parece que esto es fundamental porque, eh, sobre todo en un momento como el que vivimos, donde creo, o al menos hay una sensación que los diálogos hacia ciertos temas sociales se están abriendo. Entonces creo que es importante, hay que seguir empujando a través del arte a que se generen nuevas formas de pensamiento o nuevas formas de convivencia, que creo que al final el arte cuando nos exige cosas de nosotros es porque nos exige repensar nuevos ángulos. Entonces eso, la frontera no busca generar respuestas, nosotros queremos plantear preguntas, como abrir conversación, y creo que eso es algo muy valioso que pasa por muchos filtros, ¿no? De ética, de filtros personales para poder construir esta voz. 
I'd love to loop back to something you discussed a little bit earlier about form and the ways in which the transition from in-person performances to now this online manifestation has actually um, uh, complemented your uh, existing understanding and interest in, uh, in, in integrating uh, audience participation. So uh, one of the elements of the program, the Frontera Project Zoom edition that you presented that I enjoyed most was the solicitation of words and images from the audience on the Google Jamboard in response to those questions about people's association with the border and specifically the footage of Tijuana. And then it's later incorporation of those words into an extemporaneous original poem by Monica Morales. How do you think about the role of participation and co-creation among audience members in your work? And what particular value does that inclination and aim have for the Frontera project? I have become more and more interested over time in the kind of audience engagement that we are uh, figuring out through as the as we continue to develop the Zoom uh, experience of the Frontera project. Um, I love sitting in a dark room, having people tell me a story. And I love telling people stories that they sit in a dark room and they listen to. But I think there are other really powerful ways that theater can bring people out of themselves and connect with other people in ways that they don't expect. And I think we all sort of carry around an idea about, you know, audience participation as being you know, the magic show or the hypnotist show where somebody gets like brought up on stage to, you know, behave like a chicken and embarrass themselves. And I, one of the things I kind of struggle with is finding the right language to talk about what I am interested in, which is about allowing people to feel like they have an investment in what is going on and that it can speak to them and that they can speak to it and that they can participate in a kind of active conversation without it implying that kind of you're going to embarrass yourself in front of a lot of other people and they're going to they're going to ridicule you later and um we have been talking a lot lately as we're starting to reorient to thinking about what a live performance is going to be about how we can take what we have learned because we all also really love the way that the Jamboard um, and for people who haven't seen what we're doing we use the Jamboard three different times and people are asked to respond to different prompts. And it's a way to track something of the evolution of people's perceptions of the border and of Tijuana as the event goes on. And there's something really exciting about getting that kind of information from the audience and getting that feeling like it's that kind of an active conversation. And I think we are talking very actively right now in our creative meetings about what is the live version of that? Like, how do we make a live experience that allows people to safely volunteer their responses to things in a way that other people can hear or read or become aware of. And I don't think we have any answers yet. I mean, one of the things you're catching us at this moment where we're very much in process of how, what the live event is going to be, but it's very much, I think, going to be inspired by the things that we've discovered have really been kind of magical about how the Zoom experience allows this kind of feedback loop with the audience in like almost immediate kind of time that um that you don't get like you know you can maybe get if you like lurk in the lobby after a show and you can hear what people are saying but you can't like feed that back into what you're doing and the zoom experience has allowed us to use what the audience's experience is to make art in that moment. And that has been really thrilling. And I think we're very actively looking for ways to translate that into a live experience. Well, I just love to the, this kind of paradox that this period of 
necessary social distancing and so much of our lives converting to primarily a virtual plane has brought you actually to consider the ways in which you can more deeply engage audiences when we have the um, ability to be hold space together. Um, that's really beautiful and I can't wait to see how the Frontera project continues to integrate and experiment with different forms of audience engagement. Also to say on a personal note as somebody who tuned into the show, I'm grateful you did not ask me to balk like a chicken. <laughs> I will say, um, to go back to uh, what you were saying earlier about connection across difference, I have kind of a related question to that. And that is, um, of course, translation. You mentioned one of the things that's most novel and exciting um, and challenging about this work is the fact that you're working with theater artists. Uh, as theater artists, you're working together across, among other things, a difference in language, primary language. Would you speak a bit of, a bit more about translation? Like, what have been some of the moments in which translation has been most challenging? What are the moments it's been most rewarding? And does anything seem to be sort of fundamentally, um, not negatively, but fundamentally kind of untranslatable? Eh, la idea de, de encontrarnos con ambos idiomas y de dejar este espacio para que si tu primer lengua es inglés o español y hay cosas que no están traducidas, creo que es, es resultado de una idea también de laboratorio, ¿no? Como vamos a ver qué sucede cuando tú escuchas una conversación, ¿no? La conversación es 100%, pero mi lengua me permite como comprender probablemente el 70%. Entonces, no sé qué pasa con el otro 30% en términos de las palabras, pero el teatro en general ofrece una experiencia que es inefable, como inexplicable, que es la experiencia como nebulosa, misteriosa, libre, subjetiva, ¿no? La de, las, la de las imágenes, la de los sonidos, la del cuerpo, la del gesto. Y esa zona muchas veces es tan o más poderosa que las palabras. Y creo que esta idea de, ok, no vas a entender 100% lo que yo estoy hablando, ok, no pasa nada, no importa. Tú no tienes la necesidad de, de comprender 100% mis palabras, ¿no? Creo que estamos acostumbrados a que el lenguaje sea como eh, el medio de comunicación más importante. Como, oh, el lenguaje solo construye información y comunicación. Y no, sabemos que no. El lenguaje solo es una de diferentes lenguajes. Y el teatro lo, lo es así, ¿no? El teatro tiene cosas que no se explican por las palabras, Tú necesitas vivir la experiencia del teatro o de una experiencia viva para saber en realidad de qué se trata la experiencia. Y creo que muchas veces sucede que nos pasa que no podemos explicar qué nos hizo sentir una pintura, un cuadro, un performance, un, una, eh, una obra de teatro, una pieza de danza, la música. No, yo no puedo explicarlo, pero sé que algo me sucedió. Hay como una zona inefable, inexplicable, que tal vez es la más poderosa en, en, en las artes escénicas. O sea, es, es muy poderosa esa zona misteriosa. Entonces también es una provocación para que exista esa zona misteriosa donde te incomode no saber 100% de qué estamos hablando. Es decir, no pasa nada. Sé libre para pensar qué es lo que quieres que suceda en, ese, en esa zona libre. Um, I also want to add a little bit to what Ramon just said, that the question of what language we speak has been one of the most exciting pieces of this project for me. Um, and I came in not really speaking very much Spanish. Like I have been studying and learning pretty diligently in the last few years in order to be able to do this work. But um, from the very beginning, I think we all agreed that everyone needed to be able to do their best work. And in order to be able to do their best work, everyone needed to be able to express themselves in whatever language was most useful to them in that moment. And when we did the initial workshop that we did in December of 2019, we had nine actors, four were from San Diego and five from were from Tijuana, but All the San Diego actors were all Latinx and everyone spoke Spanish. 
And we sort of invited everyone to use whatever language was felt most useful to them in that moment. And I think that the room operated maybe 70% in Spanish and 30% in English. And some people went back and forth in the course of a single sentence. And it felt like it was an embodiment of both the ethos and the work that we want to create to say, we're just, I mean, it's exactly what Ramon just said. Like, it's okay if you don't under, understand 100% of what someone is saying, that you're going to get through physicality, through facial expression, through context. Even if you don't understand all the words, you're going to be able to follow it. And I would add on to that, that I think for people in the United States for whom English is their first language, we are enculturated to expect that everybody's going to understand everything we say all the time and everyone should speak to us in the language that we speak. Like English is the 900 pound gorilla in the room of um, international languages. And um, I think that there is something powerful and humbling about being asked to work a little harder to understand. And um, it's one of the ways that we invite an experience of empathy is to have the experience of not having everything translated into the language that is easiest for you to understand. And sometimes maybe not understanding at all and having to make sense of what's going on without someone helping you to understand what the language is all the time. That's an experience that almost everybody else in the world has when they come to the United States or when they try to engage in an English speaking context. And I think it's extremely useful for native English speakers to have a little taste of that experience. Uh, excuse me. Yeah. Thank you so much. Um, you know, it's, it's interesting you say that because one of my colleagues after, after your event mentioned um, that, you know, they, they didn't consider themselves a Spanish speaker at all, but they were very pleasantly surprised with how much Spanish they understood. And that being in that environment, in that bilingual laboratory, got them thinking about thinking in Spanish again and thinking about themselves speaking Spanish. And I thought that was really cool just hearing how that laboratory can spark different parts of that may be sort of dormant in the back of, of people's minds. So I appreciate that. Um, One of the things that happened in my English speaking breakout room at our Virginia Tech experience, because we divided it into two breakout rooms. One was intentionally bilingual and one was intentionally all English. And um, I was facilitating the English breakout room and I asked the people in the room how they felt about the fact that there had been a lot of Spanish and not all of it had been translated. And I was expecting there was gonna there was gonna be some frustration articulated. And maybe it's just the generosity of the Virginia Tech community, but people seemed genuinely inspired by the experience of being in a bilingual experience even if they didn't speak Spanish, um, which was really gratifying to me because I genuinely had no idea how people were gonna respond to it. And um, it was really encouraging to feel like there is an appetite to be asked to sort of step up to that kind of a challenge, which is pretty rare. Yeah, so I'm, I, I agree. I, I think that, um you know, you're not sure how audiences are going to react. And when it when it turns out that, you know, people are getting all sort of different experiences that they weren't expecting about the border through this presentation on the border, that's, that's pretty cool. Um, so one thing that, and, and I think this sort of relates to translation in a way because Ramon, you're talking about how translation or sort of the in-between the translation, this, this sona libre, this, this emotion or maybe facial expressions or 
these other elements of expression that are in Frontera Project that aren't just connected to language are very much part of your performance. Um, for example, in your initial planning workshop, you included quite a few elements of song and dance. And same thing with here at Tech. We had music, live poetry, bodily movement, lean in, lean out. Um, so we're wondering, how did you approach integrating these different forms into Frontera Project? And how does the inclusion of these elements impact the type of experience you seek to create? Es importante para, para, como equipo, para nosotros pensar que la, la palabra será solamente un medio, un medio de expresión, ¿no? Pero tenemos otras maneras de expresar. Es decir, la expresión puede ser palabra, el cuerpo, el sonido, la imagen, etcétera, porque también... Eh, Finalmente somos artistas de la escena, es decir, hacemos teatro y el teatro, en el teatro la palabra es uno de los diferentes lenguajes. Muchas veces creo que le hemos dado una fuerza al texto, pero el texto al final de cuentas es literatura, ¿no? El texto está en un libro, en un script, en un guión o algo, pero necesitamos que eso sea una realidad, que se materialice en un espacio, en los cuerpos de los actores, en los cuerpos de la escena. Es decir, la experiencia escénica es más allá del texto. En ese sentido, creo que las primeras exploraciones que hicimos, por supuesto, en el workshop en diciembre, era inevitable que además de la palabra, que como ya dijo Jessica, aunque fuera español e inglés y todo el mundo se sintiera libre, eh, dialogando en el idioma que le pareciera más cómodo, por supuesto, cuando existían ejercicios de corporales, de imágenes, no necesitábamos las palabras, ¿no? es decir, no eran necesarias las palabras, y muchas veces esas imágenes eran tan o más poderosas que un pensamiento escrito. ¿No? Una música, la música, la pieza, el movimiento, la danza, ¿no? la escritura. Eso nos permitió encontrar también en esos otros lenguajes otras formas de contar nuestras historias. Y eso es muy importante porque me parece que, digamos, por ejemplo, seguramente Jessica y yo al ser directores de escena, ¿no? al trabajar con la escena, pues creo que estamos muy acostumbrados a pensar en el lenguaje, pero también en los cuerpos, pero también en el espacio, en cómo se relacionan los elementos. Es como crear una fotografía completa, donde el texto es solo una parte, pero todo lo demás nos permite generar en algo que creo que es una experiencia mucho más integral. Es decir, creo que la... Cada, las palabras, el cuerpo, las imágenes, etcétera, son unidades que construyen diferentes lenguajes y estos lenguajes generan una experiencia integral. Es como, estos son pequeños puntos que construyen un lenguaje visual, textual, corporal, gestual, musical, pero al final necesitamos encontrar la red para que se haga una experiencia global. Y eso es muy valioso. Es decir, creo que por eso hacemos teatro y por eso queremos mantenernos en una experiencia escénica viva porque queremos abrazar todos esos lenguajes y que se traigan aquí y por eso en la frontera Zoom Edition tenemos estas experiencias de eh, movimiento de música porque no queremos un espectador eh, pasivo como ok tú debes escuchar toda quédate cruza de brazos nosotros te vamos a dar no al contrario muévete con nosotros escribe participa expresa tu voz no es decir Estamos intentando trasladar la experiencia de la escena a una experiencia virtual en la medida de lo, de lo posible. I really appreciate that recognition and incorporation of all these different modalities that people can and should feel free to lean into, even while engaging with theater via Zoom, right? I think I recall, Jessica, you saying during the session that one of the challenges was the fact that engaging primarily through online platforms such as the one we're currently on can feel very disembodying, which to folks in the performing arts in particular, that can feel um, quite restrictive. And so I just apl applaud you and just, once again, I express my appreciation for your recognition and incorporation of all those different modalities and the challenge that we can do that as audience members, right? We need not feel um, stuck within the frame of just gazing into our little webcam and thinking that's the extent to which we can engage with one another. Um, I'd love to, speaking of something else you shared during the Frontera Project Zoom edition, there was a 
phrase that you shared that I found quite moving and thought-provoking, and that was that, quote, COVID behaves like a border. Would you elaborate on this a little bit? How has the coronavirus pandemic expanded or perhaps complicated your understanding of what borders are, how they function, and the impacts they can have on various communities? Yeah, I think that um, we have all felt so um, trapped by the pandemic and by the limits that have been put on us in terms of freedom of movement, freedom of like being able to be with your family, being able to travel, the kinds, the ways that COVID has kind of wrecked havoc on people's ability to connect with each other feels like an echo or a metaphor or um, an analogy to um, the ways that the border can separate families, can make it impossible to for people to go where they need to be at a particular time or for a particular event, um, you know, that there's a lack of control or there's a sense of there being um, what can feel like an arbitrary and externally driven limit to what is possible. That, and in some ways the, the limits that COVID has um, enforced on all of us have a certain kind of rationale that I might argue that the national border does not. Um, but um, I th- the thing that feels useful to me about using COVID as an analogy to the border is that COVID is something that we all have experienced. We all have now know what it feels like to be told, no, you can't go visit your mother, your brother, your sister, your best friend, whoever, um, even though you want to, even though you feel like you should be able to, there are there are external limits to what you can do. And again, sort of back to the idea of trying to make border stories and border experiences feel more Um, recognizable and emotionally accessible to people who don't have a firsthand experience of them, to be able to use COVID as an an example of, or as a metaphor for what um, people who are trying to cross the border experience all the time is actually, I mean, I don't mean this disrespectfully, but it's a little bit of a gift that um, we can use it as a frame of reference that um, may make the kinds of limitations that people trying to cross the border deal with all the time feel more accessible to people who don't have that experience personally. Sí, y digo, seguramente repetiré algo de lo que dijo Jessica, pero también es, es muy interesante cómo, eh, digamos, la pandemia de alguna forma nos, nos, nos generó fronteras individuales, ¿no? Es decir, de persona a persona, pero también fronteras de tipo mental, intrapersonales, es decir, al interior, ¿no? Es, o sea, te, el, yo, todos te, probablemente vivimos con un miedo... 14 meses o hemos vivido con un miedo 14 meses de qué tal que estoy contagiado, tengo miedo de, de querer saludar a mi mamá, a mi hermano, es decir, puedo ir a la tienda, ¿no? Es decir, también hubo muchas fronteras a nivel intrapersonal, individuales, que creo que se suscitaron y esto... Eh, necesitamos también romper esas fronteras, que creo que finalmente son las fronteras de la ansiedad, de la depresión que mucha gente seguramente vivimos en los últimos 14 meses. Y eso también es importante porque eh, esas fronteras son las que también, las, que, las personales no nos permiten seguir avanzando, creando o generando cosas más hacia adelante. Y por supuesto, hay otras fronteras como las geográficas, ¿no? Eso es interesante. Por ejemplo, yo... Eh, como nativo de Tijuana, eh, que he vivido aquí más de 30 años en Tijuana, todo el tiempo podía cruzar a, a San Diego para cualquier cosa, ¿no? 
en estos momentos yo tengo 14, 13 meses que yo no puedo cruzar a Estados Unidos porque hay una restricción por un asunto de viajes solo esenciales. Entonces, es interesante que una dinámica también se truncó ahí, ¿no? Como se truncaron otras tantas cosas. Entonces, creo que son muchos niveles donde, va, digo, expresé solo desde el, desde el interno hacia un asunto más geográfico, pero en cualquiera de esos creo que lo que tenemos que trabajar es en recuperar justo la convivencia, en trabajar en romper esas fronteras porque necesitamos sanar muchas cosas. O sea, creo que es un año, será un año para sanar una gran cantidad de cosas, incluidas las fronteras a nivel individual o personal. Thanks so much, both, both of you. Um, gosh, I, you know, my mind is just going crazy right now with so many thoughts about everything you're saying. But in the interest of time, I will move us to our last question. Um, so is there anything that you all would like to share concerning your collaboration that you've not had the opportunity to share um, or anything that you wish you would have been asked in an interview today that you haven't had the chance to talk about yet? Eh, yo, yo quisiera agradecer mucho la oportunidad de, de mantener la conversación y sobre todo de de permitirnos compartir un proceso que está en autoconstrucción. Es decir, nosotros vivimos en un proceso que no está terminado. Es un proceso que se ha ido construyendo semana tras semana desde diciembre de 2019. Es decir, es un proceso que va cambiando cada semana. Evidentemente, el año pasado cambiaba cada día. ¿No? Como, oh, eh, no, esto no terminará en el verano, tampoco va a terminar en el otoño, tampoco en el invierno. Es decir, cambiaba así y entonces eso nos permitió como pausar, pero pausar en el sentido no, no creativo, sino en un sentido de, ok, no me puedo mover en la distancia, yo no puedo ir para allá ni tú puedes venir para acá, pero podemos seguir generando conversación, podemos seguir generando cosas. Y eso creo que también nos permitió una pausa para pensar. Es una pausa muy importante para pensar, ¿no? Existe, en este momento no recuerdo, pero hay, en, en, hay una palabra que creo que es en alemán que significa como un espacio, creo que es Denkraum, algo así, no, no, no sé alemán, entonces no estoy seguro y no quiero decir algo que no es así, pero me gusta mucho esta palabra porque implica un espacio donde... No, o sea, te alejas un poco de la vida diaria, de la dinámica del mundo y te permite pensar. Y el mundo antes del 2020 nos obligaba a estar todos los días rápido, moviéndonos, ¿no? Todo era rápido, fast, lo que sigue, next, 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 next. Y no había tiempo para decir, ok, tienes meses para pensar y para decidir qué quieres, ¿no? Y con este proyecto particularmente creo que funcionó mucho en ese sentido, para pausar y decir, ok, ¿qué queremos construir con esto? Y hasta la fecha creo que es un momento donde, como decía Jessica hace rato, estamos construyendo, necesitamos saber cómo esto va a terminar y compartir el proceso creo que es muy valioso porque cuando lo compartimos seguimos reaprendiendo. Yo todavía de las cuestiones que hablaba Jessica y que estoy elaborando ahora mismo, ¿no? tengo mis notas y estoy aquí con una libreta escribiendo cómo estamos autoconstruyendo el camino. Y eso es muy, es, pues, muy gracias. Y muchas gracias por permitir también esta conversación horizontal ¿no? de cómo, cómo estamos trabajando. Creo que eso es muy valioso. Muchas gracias. We're very, very happy to be part of this conversation as well and part of your making process. So I'll turn it over to Jess now. I think you wanted to say something. Um, I just want to add to what Ramon said that um, it has been, I mean, it's this year, I think for everyone in the performing arts, it's been a little bit terrifying to have the bottom dropout the way that it did, you know, all my work, all his work, all of our work, just, you know, 48 hours last March, it all disappeared. And um, this opportunity for us to, um, to really explore like 
what it is we're trying to do and what we feel what feels important in this exact moment that we're in the kind of conversation that we want to have um, with our audience. I mean, I'm becoming more and more aware of the ways that um, it's another way that COVID become behaves like a border is that we have, I think all of us been told for our own safety that we have to circle our wagons so tight right now that we're all a little bit out of practice about what it feels like to be open to other human beings in the world. And um, the connection between the United States and Mexico is um, in some ways like a very public version of that, but that we all need to relearn how to connect across difference to other human beings who are not, you know, in our immediate family, in our immediate circle. And um, it feels like a great gift to me as an artist to be wrestling with these questions with someone as brilliant as Ramon. And, um, and I have to give a little shout out to um, Jesus Quintero, who's our, the other member of our creative team who um, is not part of this conversation, but is very much part of our weekly meetings and our brainstorming around what we're doing. Um, that um, it's just been a really um, deeply meaningful experience for me to be able to figure out what it means to come out of this moment into a world that's going to include live performance again with such like deeply talented and um, brilliant artists as um, Ramon and Jesus. So I'm just sending them my love <laughs> from, from Brooklyn to Tijuana and um, to thank you all for um, letting us uh, explore this project with your community as well. It's really been a pleasure to be part of this conversation. Absolutely. Thank you. Muchas gracias. It's been such a pleasure to chat with you. Um, I'm sorry to say that we've reached the conclusion of our, um, our conversation here, but I suppose this is probably a good point to pass things over to our uh, gracious host, Andy Morikawa, for our concluding remarks. Andy? Thank you. Muchas gracias, uh, Ramon Verdugo and Jessica Bauman for the chance to meet you and to hear and learn more about your creative, thoughtful, boundary-spanning work of learning how to reconnect in the age of pandemic. Thank you to our interviewers, Molly Todd and John Catherwood Ginn. Uh, you've been listening to the Trustees Without Borders interview with Ramon Verdugo and Jessica Bauman. I'm your host, Andy Morikawa. Trustees Without Borders is a podcast production of the Virginia Tech Institute for Policy and Governance. Trustees Without Borders features leading practitioners, thinkers, writers, and designers, all working to strengthen community capacity for innovation and creative change. You can find an archive of Trustees Without Borders interviews and other information at our website, www.ipg.vt.edu. Until next time, remember that as trustees of community, we work without borders or limits on our ideas and aspirations, without borders on what we think is possible to solve problems that keep us from achieving a just, collaborative community that works for us all. Thank you and take good care.